put on a card. Okay, and yeah, so for one, it doesn't matter what kind of mistakes we make or don't make, or if we make blunders, times, dates, places don't even matter. My name is Bernard Sweeney, I'm an Irish traveller, and this is a podcast to Travision in the premises of Rural Red. I'm joined with fellow traveller Patrick Nevin. Patrick is with a traveller organisation. I'm going to let Patrick introduce himself, what he does, who he hates most, and who he'd like to punch. <laughs> Go for it, Patrick. <laughs> Thanks, Bernard, for that introduction. Uh, I mean, I don't really hate anyone, and I'm not all that interested in punching anyone either. So, uh, look, my name is Patrick Nevin. I'm the manager of Talent Travels Community Development Project. Talent Travels is a small uh, uh, traveller community development organisation. It's been based out here in Tala for this. Well, it was founded in 1999, uh, so 22 years ago. It's a small uh, community um, development organization, uh, just myself. We have a community development worker part-time. We have an admin worker part-time, a men's health worker, and then we have within that a, the primary health care project, which we have six uh, community uh, health workers uh, who work on a part-time basis uh, in the community. We link in with a population of roughly 1,200 individuals. Uh, there is uh, 13 official uh, halting sites with some uh, group housing schemes and also uh, the larger traveller community then living within the standard accommodation uh, spread out over the uh, Tala area of South County Dublin. You have an organisation that caters for around 1,200 people. Individuals, individuals. And I just heard you saying at least three part-time positions. Absolutely, yes. How the hell do you manage? Well, that's a good question, Bernie. We 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 um, struggle by the sounds struggle. of it. <laughs> we, do. we do, we do. It's a, it, it is a struggle. I mean, it's it is a, a human rights organisation. It's an advocate organisation. Uh, we would deal with a huge amount of issues around accommodation or lack of accommodation. Then, if you combine the lack of accommodation, then with the issues around health, mental health, physical health mass unemployment, uh, educational issues within the community, uh, anti-traveller racism, anti-traveller bias. Yeah, it is a struggle at the best of times. How, uh, I, this, this seems to pop into my head. We make it, cause, yeah, I know, the, I'm familiar with the organisations. If anyone's listening, um, as I mentioned, Patrick is a traveller, I'm a traveller myself. We come from a small indigenous minority community. When we say indigenous, I mean, is our culture is indigenous to the land, to the places we came from, is slightly different from the current current or the current settled population culture, which is a construct of English culture in many ways. It's not against the English, not against anyone. But we're from this minority. We have some of the worst health statistics both in Ireland and Europe. Um, a life expectancy of around 65. 11%, this is some of the reports I've been reading, um, 11% of deaths are by suicide. So there is a chronic mental health issue within the community. Yeah. You've got a small organisation, a human rights organisation, but it sounds like underfunded if people are part-time mm. and catering for 1,200 people. Yeah, how, I, mean, I asked you a minute ago, how, how do you cope with What are you meant to do with that? Minda? Yes, and I mean, that's, that's a very valid question. And it's an extremely important question. Uh, how do we deal with it? We do, uh, uh, I would say, as best as one can. Um, and I mean, if you just look in terms of you talked about certain reports there, reports on mental health, reports on, on accommodation, reports on employment or lack of. 
Uh, I mean, there's a plethora of reports going right back to the 1980s um, um, that highlights all of the issues, all of, all of the, 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 the consequences, I would argue, uh, of a um, uh, process of assimilation and absorption and othering that began as, as early as 1921. What's othering? Just um, explain to people that might be... Othering? Yeah. Well, the othering process is... Uh, the process of, uh, I suppose, excluding those that uh, are not deemed as valued, are not part of the norm, are not part of the uh, dominant society. And if you take uh, travellers uh, in terms of the formation of the Irish state, I would argue <coughs> that we were the first others. So that othering, that literally, I mean, there's writers that have spoken about this uh, in Edward Syed and others like that, uh, Colonial, who have written huge works on... Big fan on of Edward Syed. Yeah. And they would, uh, you know, they have done it, um, their research and their, their, their philosophical um, discourses and conversations and we fit that hallmark. We fit that that uh, process. So the state, I would argue, from as early as as as. Say if someone was up for an example, you're talking about the othering would be what the stripping of somebody's civil liberties or human well, rights. Well, it it's not just the stripping. It's actually it, it, the stripping is 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 one thing. If you if you have them in the first place, you're removing them after the fact. But in the term, in, in the context of travellers, I would argue uh, that we never had those. Uh, we were never part of the social con, uh, the social contract. I got you. Uh, we were never uh, included in that social contract once the free state came about. And there's references in the Urban District Council archives and records, all down the west coast, all uh, through the Midlands, uh, that within the first weeks and months of the formation of the Irish Free State. Uh, there was lobbying uh, at a local council, local authority level by business owners, you know, the, the publicans, the uh, shopkeepers, uh, the, the, the various different great and good of Irish uh, society, settled society or sedentary society, calling on the local authorities who then were requested a call on central government at the time to initiate a, a, a policy of removal of these uh, gypsy tinkers. And they use the term gypsy quite a lot in the, in the early discourse uh, when it came to travellers, uh, to remove them from, society, from, from the localities where they had resided. Now remember, if you look at that and you ask that question, um, these families, these traveller families, uh, tinker families, uh, whatever terminology you want to use, uh, had coexisted with the majority settled sedentary population pre-1921. Yeah. Uh, when in a short period of time after the formation of the Irish state, the same, uh, this new state that had just grown, had just been given its, its I suppose, its uh, freedom to engage, to, to run its own course, to, to uh, direct its own vision of what a new, the new Ireland was going to be about. They started to target travellers in Galway, in Mayo, in Sligo, Donegal, uh, Clare, Limerick, uh, Kerry, West Cork and, and, and right around the country. Uh, and within a two and a half year period uh, from 1922 to 1925, the central government uh, had put in place a piece of legislation which was called the Local Government Act. 1925, which gave these local authorities the uh, carte blanche uh, powers 
to evict these said encampments uh, along in essentially anywhere in, 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 the, in the new state, in the new free state of the 26 counties. So within two and a half years of the state being formed, uh, a piece of legislation which I would call uh, an ethnic or ethno-profiling legislation was put in place. So when I say othering and when I say travellers in the context of the Irish state are the first others, I literally mean that within two and a half years of the formation of the Irish Free State, they had put together a piece of legislation that was the first of many to come. But they initiated it in instantaneous. And remember, if I'm correct, the date for the uh, uh, for the formation of the Irish Free State was the sixth of December, nineteen twenty one. We're coming up to its hundred anniversary next year, yeah. uh, two thousand and twenty two. Uh, in the first weeks, and uh, I think it was the first four months of the Irish Free State, there was no shots fired in the uh, Irish Civil War, you know, Republicans versus the new Free Staters. So in those four months, three to four months of the formation of the Irish Free State, you will find a lot of commentary, a lot of discourse and conversation, particularly, as I said, in the Urban District Council archives and so forth, about tinker gypsy travellers. Uh, and the new uh, official Ireland uh, at that point yeah. calling for the removal from these encampments. What's interesting as well, that piece of legislation was being reviewed in 1942, which was roughly uh, nearly 20 years later. And when it was being reviewed in the Dáil, uh, the then minister at the time, Dylan, I can't think of his first name at the moment, he'll come to me. He acknowledged in the Dáil records that while the legislation that was written up, uh, that Local Government Act uh, in, in 1925 was uh, written up, while it doesn't specifically name anyone in particular, he did acknowledge that it was designed particularly for those that reside on the margins of the roadside in these uh, temporary dwellings of tents, wagons. So he, he referred to the to almost the cultural lifestyle and the location well, without mentioning the names. Without mentioning the people as a... As but a obvious to anyone yeah. that would know. And it's important, uh, Bernie, just to understand that in the context of that point in 1942, 41-42. If you think about it, that piece of legislation that was created in 1925 or introduced in 1925, Nazi Germany uh, didn't come about until 1933. Essentially. Yeah. And a piece of legislation that was ethnic profiling. It was profiling a people for their cultural differences and their cultural uh, uh, identity. They, they, it they, was nine yeah, years ahead. They were it, conscious of it. Yeah, yeah. They were nine years ahead of, of what was to come. Interesting. It foreshadowed, yeah. I would argue, and others would say it, that it foreshadowed that type of ethnic profiling that was to take and place you, then. If you want to jump back, jump a bit forward, we'll go back to 1922 again because I've something interesting to say on that. What's from my, if you go to the 1963 document, they use very similar language again that you would find in uh, Germany. Absolutely. So long before Hitler came along, they were thinking, talking, speaking of these uh, of ethnic the, dictifiers and yeah. get these people away. Yeah. Now go, let's go back to the 1920s for a second, right? Because I was always puzzled. As travellers, um, we're operating at a different frequency. We know ourselves when we see ourselves without even meeting each other. 
we can recognize each other we can speak to each other we have a code of conduct even if we've never spoken about it just things you do when you don't do when you're a traveler yeah. and we always had that frequency and then we grew up told that you're uneducated you're wayward you're backwards you need this and you need that we'll help you we'll save you and all that kind of stuff but um you get a bit older and you're thinking there's something not right here there's something a bit off here because excuse my language you'd meet fucking idiots that were no bit in, they were no more intelligent than a rock. But these people, for some bizarre reason, had power over you, dictating to you, telling you what you should do, and listen to them. Now, let's push that to one side and go back to 1922 again. This is my take on it. In 1922, they changed none of the English colonial institutions. They kept the Trinity College by Henry VIII. They kept the... Uh, four courts, they kept the land rights zoning, they kept the political systems, they kept the Royal College of Surgeons, and all of these Royal Colleges of this, that and the other were all English. And in 1922, if you can go to their website, look up their um, Ministry of, what do you call it? That office, Home Office, they used to call it Home Office, but the Department of Justice. Look that up and look at the history. And they say in the first five years, we also called it the Home Office. In actual fact, we kept all of the English administration and transferred them onto an Irish state. So my point would be is that because most of these people came from an English background anyway, Fitzgerald and so on and so forth were old English, they kept the colonial systems running in 1922. So when they went to attack travellers, it wasn't a new thing necessarily. It was a continuation of breaking down the Celtic culture, the clans, the Irish people. That's my uh, yeah, and, and impression. Dis- and, uh, yeah, and I wouldn't necessarily disagree or agree with everything you said. Uh, I mean, I would, uh, I would agree that there was a continuity and a continuation of pre-1921-22. Uh, and uh, it, it was that continuation in relation to the colonisation process that had been taking place in the previous uh, four or five hundred years. Now. Well, let me interrupt with this one, just to keep you on roll, right? Okay. In... At the beginning stages of the colonization of Ireland, mm. it was called the Settlement of oh, Ireland. Of course, yeah. Right? In 1922, when independence was coming about, pre-1922, David Lloyd George, the Prime Minister at the time, it was about the settlement of Dublin. So they needed to get Dublin in order, the continuation of their systems. In 1963, what was it about travellers? The Settlement of Travellers. Yes. So me, it's a kind of conscious... Colonial mentality that never stopped. But oh, go on. And I would agree that that colonialism mindset never really stopped or ended for travellers in 1921 22. Uh, it just became the assimilationist absorption uh, policies yeah. uh, that was to grow. But just in terms of what you're saying there about remember, Ireland in 1921 22 was dominion status. It didn't necessarily become a republic until 1949. That's, that's right. That's my uh, dates. If I have my dates right on that. I was going to say 47, but, 48. But uh, just in terms of, of that, uh, what you're saying there about the institutions uh, uh, of the state post-1921, I mean, they were never going to really... I mean, they were never going to really throw off the yoke of the institutions that had been created in the previous number of uh, centuries, centuries yeah. and so forth. Uh, and, and it would be kind of naive of us to think that uh, post-1921 that we were going to go back to uh, an old Gaelic uh, chieftain uh, set-up in, in, in Ireland. <laughs> I don't think that was ever going to happen. But what I find interesting, uh, Bernie, in relation to the treatment of travellers from the, from the get-go and the othering process, that one could argue that it was 
everyone pre-1921 was being tarnished with the same brush because of the colonial powers. That's right, right? yeah. Uh, and then we come to the free state or the, the, the dominion status, and one could argue that now that we were our own masters, uh, that all were going to be treated fair and equitably and all were going to be given uh, a slice of the, of the Irish uh, pie as such, they made it categorically clear in the very, as, the, as I said, in the very early days, weeks and months of the new state and indeed for this last 100 years, that travellers were never going to be, or tinker travellers or whatever term you want to use, Minkir, Pavi, uh, there's others that we could use as well. But they made it categorically clear um, that they were never going to include travellers in that social contract. And the reason why I keep emphasising the social contract the premise of a social contract is uh, is having the option to opt out oneself. Uh, there's no such thing as having the option of opting in. You're supposed to be, the social contract is the idea that the state has a social contract with its citizenship and that all is included in that and their endeavours to create a fair and equitable and, uh, and just society is that you're automatically once born a citizen uh, you are going to be part and parcel of that social contract. Uh, but, you know, if you look at some of the language uh, that that grew post-1921, post-1941, post-1963, that you talk about with the Commission on High Tenancy, and the language in that is extraordinary. That's right. Vicious 1983 language. report also, right. which is even more diabolical. And then at an individual level, you hear local representatives, you hear uh, media uh, 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 representatives uh, Presenters, I won't name any, but we know some people have built and, and, and really built their careers on the back of anti-traveller rhetoric, whether at a local level or at a national level. Oh, quite a few of them. Yeah, absolutely. Media also. Well, that's the point I'm making. Oh, political they, media. Sorry. Yeah, uh, but they've also, Bernie, uh, just on that point, there's always this equating responsibility with rights when it comes to travellers. We'll treat you with rights. We'll give you those rights once you act in a responsible manner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that same uh, kind of um, argument is never uh, designated onto the white settled sedentary majority population. But when it comes to travellers, we have to, for us to, <coughs> to participate in this society, we have to excel. We have to excel. We have to be better than better, whiter than white. Uh, and we have to achieve uh, almost extraordinary levels of, of, of... I think uh, we already have. Well, if you just bear with me on that I point. know what you're saying. It, it, when it comes to a kind of... Um, OK, equal opportunities for everybody if the settled people are in front. Uh, if you want to do, you've got to run three times faster just to be... Absolutely. To keep, the, so to keep the on track. the expectation that's placed on us as a people uh, is extraordinary. Now, if you compare and contrast what the state set about post-1921... Uh, at the moment, the argument is, uh, and we hear it all the time, Board Falcha, all of the big uh, uh, bodies that represent and promote Ireland, or particularly the, the 26 counties at an international level, will talk about the wonderfully educated population of Ireland, the sophistication of our society, and so forth. And none of that isn't actually... Uh, not true. There's a lot of it that is true. Well, I think you know. Look, call it what it is. It's a subculture of English culture. But 
I want to pin. I know you don't want to. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not disputing what you're saying. I want to make this point. But I want to. It, yeah, it's an on. important point, Bernie. For well, me, it's yeah. an important point. You've asked me on for a podcast, and I'm going to do it. And I want to make this point. Go for a bit. The state wrapped its arms around white settled sedentary population from the get go. It literally, from the very get go, it, it excluded, it alienated, it, it refused to acknowledge traveller tinker identity and its place in the Irish context. And they said about that process of assimilation and absorption and cultural denial, cultural erosion and so forth. We now are in the 21st century, coming to the 100th anniversary. You talked about the stats earlier on. You talked about the social determinants of, of, of travellers, the, the suicide rate, the mental health issues, Unemployment, the it's just endless. Can you yeah, name a stat where it's actually good? I can't think of one stat that's actually good. No, there isn't. And this is the point I'm making to you, yeah. is that the expectation that's placed on us to be good citizens uh, and to partake in a society that for that 100 years has completely and utterly attempted to deny us the right to almost exist is is extraordinary. I go as far as a call it just for, for the, the, the mild, a psychological genocide of a people, pushing them to the ends, depriving them of right, quality rights, services, you name it. Yeah. Ridiculed in the media, ridiculed by the churches, ridiculed by politicians, endless, non-stop. Yes. My question will always be, and, and we get there eventually, is we've always had to identify who we were, almost on the spot. A bit yes. like Germany, Hitler. Who are you? Tell us about your culture, where you came from, your people, your land, your language. And you're struggling because you're like, we grew up in trauma. The reason the traveller hasn't grown up in trauma, for generation after generation, we can go back long, long time, but we take from the famine onwards. You're talking about diseases, conflicts, violence, uh, starvation. Never talked about, never addressed. We're constantly to identify ourselves. So the question, very simple question I have for settled people is, who the fuck are you? Where did you come from? Where did your systems and language and customs come from? And when you figure that out, then you know who we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could, you could go down. You could. And I, I understand, and I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you either, Bernie, on, on your point. I mean, that is true. I mean, one thing that's always been asked or, or requested of travellers is uh, the origin question. Who are you? Where and how? <laughs> we're in a stage where we're barely able to stand up at the moment. Yeah, that question. Well, I would argue to some extent, if we if we are to take a, 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 a looking in rather than a looking out approach, I would argue, and I'm sure you might agree or disagree with me, that... If you take, say, the collapse of the old uh, Gaelic uh, 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 chieftains post-1609 and all of that period... Can we just intervene there one second? When you say post-Celtic um, society uh, chieftain... Gaelic. Can, yeah, can, can we just... And you can... How many travellers do you know? Well, quite a few. Oh, I do, yes. Different surnames, we call yeah, different yeah, clans. Yeah. Has any of them, when you were growing up, had not had a king and a queen and warriors to well, fight? Yeah, <laughs> I know, but... I, I'm I, saying we're, we're still in there. We're, yeah, and yeah. then also just say the Celtic culture is not a genetic race of people. It no, never it's was. Not. It's just a mentality culture. I know, and it is. You're yeah. absolutely right. But the point I'm making to you is that in that 400 years since the collapse of the Gaelic lordships, particularly in the northern part of Ireland, um, you know, Irish Lord society as a whole has, has uh, been altered. I mean, the language, uh, if you take the Gaelic tongue, or the Irish uh, tongue itself has been altered as well. But if you take, say, the makeup of Travellers, Bernie, 
the 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 patriarchal. I mean, we know that society in 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 the, in, in the entire world are, is patriarchal. But if you take that patriarchal, if you take family orientated, if you take extended family orientated, if you take interfamily connections and so forth, the transient nomadic lifestyle, whether it was forced on one or it was pre pre uh, a, a life or uh, in existence, it can also be a combination of both. You know? Yeah, it can be yeah. a combination of both, and that's been acknowledged uh, by quite a lot of of uh, much more learned people than I'll ever be. But if you take us as that group and and just remove us for a moment and say, well, actually, why are we asking this group where one, where they came from and their origin? I'm sick of it. I know, I know. <laughs> I am too. Uh, and, and flip that and say, well, actually, why not? If we look at, say, pre-1600s, uh, the 1600s, going right back to 1169 when the arrival of Strongbow at the behest of, of Dermot McMurrow. That's right. Uh, uh, and when he arrived, uh, when they arrived, and then 1172, I think, when... I wonder did he ever regret it. Well, I'm sure he did, <laughs> but by then it was too late. But if you look at, say, the makeup of Irish uh, in this last 1,000 years from that period of time, I mean, we have been in a continuous almost upheaval, uh, continuous conflict in some form or another, uh, I mean, you know, it is a nation of of trauma in itself in the realm. And then there's us, this group that for some reason or another, we have managed to survive partition in 21 uh, uh, and the formation of the Irish state. We managed to survive the um, various different, uh, the Fenian uprising of, 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 <laughs> yeah, of yeah. 1868, 67, the 1847. I say we survived everything. Yeah, we, the 1798 rebellion, the Cromwellian period of destruction and, and devastation, the famines, the two famines. Remember, there was a famine a hundred years prior to the 1845 famine, which killed a huge amount That's right. as well. And there was at least three genocides, four genocides in around that time. In, in that period of time. And then right back during the Celtic uh, or the Gaelic uh, lordships, and then right back to what was called Gaelic revivalists or, uh, in, in... Middle class in Protestants, post, uh, I remember them. Post uh, the uh, conquest, uh, about 150 years after the conquest, uh, the initial conquest with the Anglo-Normans. So we as a people tinker travellers uh, uh, or whatever the term we want to use for some godforsaken reason have managed to continually maintain some kind of linkage I would say yeah. uh, and uh, I've studied history and I, 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 I see it as an important part of, of who we are but the question you started off with Bernie and I know it's a big one I think we need more time on all of this conversation anyways but that question is who where how did we come about constantly it asked. is a question that i it, it's of no value it yeah is, it's of no we are here we have been here and we go back further we're all genetically connected we could all have came from africa well, so you don't go away yeah how far do you want to go back so but the question really should be is why is it that we are living with all of the stats in terms of the social determinants the mental health the suicide rate of yeah. six to one. Uh, well, the same question again, and for people listening, people are wondering why are we keep going on about history? 
for, as I said this a million times before, for settled people, history is recorded in the books, times, events, places, and it goes in a, a line backwards. Yeah, well, but we're saying that our history actually lives with us. We are part of that history. Oh, agree, yeah. We, we embraced the culture the best we could. We survived, and you were talking about survival. We kept the traveller language, which is centuries old in itself. Yes. So that kept us, remember we were talking about the frequency, and we know each other, that kept us lined to who we were through them centuries. Um, I lost my trail of thought, but go on. It was no, no, I mean, just in terms of the language, the, the question you are you at the point you're making there about the, the language, it, uh, in terms of it. If you take our language, gammon, uh, cant, or shelter, depending on what term, term you want yeah. to use, uh, it's an oral language. And what's extraordinary about it is just a number of theories, and, and, and one of the more ridiculous theories that I've always found extraordinary is that... Uh, that gammon is an inverted form of Irish. Now, hear me out. Just allow me the moment. Yeah, to, I've heard this one. Yeah, right. So it's I think it's, if, if, it's, if it's true, right, it actually shows the intelligence. I'll tell you well, why. Let me, uh, let me go. I know you're oh, Go on, I, I, go on, I go ahead. No, I need you to. Go on, you, go for it. Again, you asked me on. So I, I know, but go, I, I told I, you it's on a normal podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get yeah. a fair excited at times. Go on. <laughs> no, you do. But if we say take that idea, uh, and this is well-known academics, have argued, oh, it's in inverted form. So what that means is they take an Irish word and it's it's uh, <laughs> it's then written down. Yeah. And then what they do is they alter it. So they invert it. They take the first letter and replace it with the last letter and so forth and yeah. so forth. Now, that's just a simplified... Uh, but I like but, that. But, yeah, but, but bear with me. I find that extraordinary and, and I find it quite dismissive almost to the sense because what, you're, you're, what they're saying really is that what we've done is we've taken... Gaelic, the Irish tongue, and we've taken words and we've we've altered them, and created almost uh, an inverted kind of secret language. But if we've done that, if we manage to do that, now remind you, rem remember that this was supposed to happen. One of the theories being that we are dropouts from the famine, and so forth. Yeah. Uh, failed settle people, and if we manage to do that in that hundred and forty years to the present, hundred and sixty years now to the present day, or give or take. Actually, it's a bit more. Obviously, I got my times a little bit. It's 2021. Ended around 1747 or something. But if that's the case, if that's what we've sorry. done and managed to achieve that in that period of time, that's an extraordinary achievement in itself, which yeah. is worth investigating and researching and looking at. Because you've taken a people who are, by and large, illiterate, even in the present day with our educational that's right. disadvantage. And they were able to take a language, make a create a language yeah. in that period of time, which is completely ridiculous uh, to to believe that. The other one is this: is that the. But well, can I just go on that one first, okay. right? And you follow on the next one. This is my take on it: is that the language was first recorded almost five hundred years ago. All right, that's perfectly fine. When the Normans came, they learned the Irish language. Who has fifty percent of the island at the moment? The Normans. When the English came, what did they do? They started learning the Irish. Why did they start learning the Irish? Because it was easier to track down the clans and separate them from the Irish society. So if we turn the language around backwards, yes. it's because either the Normans or the English couldn't tell the difference. And we knew Dindy couldn't be as Irish as he said they were. Well, if that's the case... It's a stroke of genius, yeah, I think. I just, and, and I want to finish with this at uh, this point, is because... You have to make tracks, have you? Yeah, and... Uh, Maybe we can do. We're going to come back more this after. Can I just make this point to you? Yeah, of course. On your podcast is that language is an integral part of a people's identity. Language is, uh, you know, there's a saying: uh, people without a language uh, are orphans, right? 
And I would argue that if you take our language... What about people with sign language? Yes, but just bear with me for a minute, Bernie, and I know you're... you're, you're there has been no investment in the protection, preservation, or the promotion of gammon, tinker language, traveller language. No, no state investment. Forget about it being a tongue or a, a language of ourselves. It is, a, it is the third language of the Irish uh, people. If you take Gaelic, the Irish tongue, the English tongue, and Ulster Scots, which is now being That's right, promoted yeah. and supported in the northern portion of this Which is language. brilliant. I think it's, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yet not one iota has been invested into the preservation, protection, promotion of the gambling Now, language. between two of us, I'll let you go because you have to go. But before you go, right, and people are wondering, why are we still talking about all this stuff? And again, just a quick recap. Let's start from here. Let's start from right this present moment, our health statistics, what we spoke about. Go back the decades. No changes. Sometimes it's worse. Let's go back to centuries. It's the same thing. Let's go back when the invasion started and we work away right up to this moment where we came to the exact same uh, spare of line. We carried language, coded language, secret language. Why wouldn't it be coded in secret when there was bounties put on our heads, get our heads chopped off? So of course we had to survive. Yeah. But all of that stuff, you're right, has been not... But it needs yeah. more discourse, more conversation. A lot more, more my friend. And we need to have more of this kind of open uh, conversation along with, uh, uh, and I would suggest, Bernie, we need to have the academics involved from Trinity, from Minute, from any... You know what I did last year? I, I put a tweet out. I said I challenged all the Queen's colleges, Trinity College, Minute College. I said, I'm here. Send your finest. <laughs> they haven't you, got back to me well, yet. Maybe, maybe you know, I'll try something. Yeah, go on. Maybe, go, you finish up. Maybe instead of being so confrontational, oh, no, maybe <laughs> uh, have it uh, more of an invite to have that discourse and that conversation. Uh, yeah, but I wasn't sure about anything. That's why I was lashing out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm saying to you, look, anyways, Bernie, thanks for, I, I thank you very much. For Patrick Nevin, thank you very much for coming in, right? And we're going to do many more of these talks uh, from one thing to another. People, um, enjoy your day and thank you very much for tuning in. Bye-bye.